This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hi, Ellis Pod fans. It's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin' or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off could be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonalds.com the talksport fan network is proudly teaming up with free for mental health awareness week this year we understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing but rest assured you're not alone there's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges honesty is key in any relationship if your friend asks you how you are feeling tell them honestly if you're going through a difficult time let them know Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello and welcome to The Love Strangers, a Swindon Town fan podcast with me, Rich Pullen, proudly sponsored by the STFC Official Supporters Club. Rogers is streaking ahead and he's onside. Beautiful play! That is that! What a shot! I start these podcasts in the same way with all of them, and it must be really repetitive because I'm releasing loads of episodes at the moment, but a big, big thank you for agreeing to take part in this here podcast. No, really looking forward to it. So, you know, I'm look, as I said, looking forward to uh, going over some old uh, and really, really good memories. Absolutely. But we'll start right at the beginning. So when you were younger, who was your favourite team and who were your childhood heroes? When I was, I mean, I've always considered myself a, a, a Tottenham supporter. I used to do, uh, at one point, I used to just go to the best London games that was around. So uh, if there was a, you know, a big derby at, at Chelsea or my, my, my pal had season tickets at West Ham, I would go there. But every opportunity that I, that I could to get over at Tottenham, uh, that, that was my team. And it's just, it, it grew from probably around about, I don't know, nine years of age. And so I would definitely say I, w- I was a Tottenham supporter. My, my footballing idols certainly were Glenn and Ozzy, which incredibly I, I got to uh, play with both of them and uh, work under. So that was a that was a that was a great thrill for me. When I joined, when I went from there to QPR, uh, there was another great player that I, I loved playing with a guy called Tony Curry. Yeah. Um, he was he was sensational. But as 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 a as a kid. 
I do listen to Huddle with a with a with a two that I, I just want, you know wanted to try and emulate. Yeah, I would have been a kid in a sweet shop if uh, if I lived in London, uh, football wise, because I can watch football at the highest level and the lowest and be perfectly happy. Um, I'm really happy that I got to White Hart Lane before it before it was demolished as well. And although, yeah, sure, it was in the all seater era, it was still a really nice stadium. I was quite impressed by it. Oh, it's, it's a magnificent. It was a magnificent place. I mean, obviously, the new the new stadium is. Uh... Is, well, it's, it's probably the best stadium in the world at the minute. But the whole White Hart Lane, I, I remember when I, you know, when I first went there, just you know, as as we all did as kids, when we, you know, dreaming of football, you wanted to play for you, for the team that you supported. Uh, but that that stadium, White Hart Lane, was real, real special. I think that is, you know, with with most footballers now, if if you were, you was to ask, um, in my era, where you know one of the top three stadiums, obviously Old Trafford, Liverpool. Uh, then you know, top top and wild lane comes in with it. So let's talk about you as a footballer when you were younger. Then, so before QPR, what are your earliest memories of playing football and your journey to becoming well good enough to play for a team in the top flight? Just like everybody, you start off in your in your, your primary school, just kicking around the playground. You get picked, got picked for the, the school team. From there, joined the Sunday League club. I played for Semreb, which is obviously a famous. Uh, yeah. Schoolboy, um, Sunday morning club. You know, progressed uh, into the district side, which was uh, I was living in East London at the time. Um, with it, you then go from there into which was an inner London team, uh, then into the London team, and then I went on schoolboy trials for England, and got through that and, and captain England schoolboys at, at fifteen. Uh, so from round about that age, I had you know quite a few, you know quite a few well. I had a pick of any any club I wanted, fortunately, and um, my, my father uh, and I we went and you know I, I was training at Queens Park Rangers along with a, numerous other London clubs, but Terry Venables and and the, the then chairman um, really showed a, a, a real uh, passion to sign you know to get me on their books. Uh, really enjoyed uh, their, their coaching there, so we we chose uh, we chose QPR. It's it's always been it's always been an ambition that you know to get to the very top, uh, but I, I I felt at the time there was a uh, there was a second division team and I could possibly progress a little you know a little bit quicker there than maybe going to one of the the the, the bigger clubs that uh, were after me. That's more than understandable and quite sensible in in relation to Senrab. Senrab is fascinating because. They don't. They haven't just got one generation of successes. They've got three or four. So people like Alan Kerbishley came through that yourself, yeah. and then you've yeah. got like the John Terry, Ugo Ekios, yeah. Jermaine Defoe, and then in more recent times, you've got people like Jody Jones and Ezra Conser that come through. What makes them so successful? I don't know. It is. It is remarkable. I mean, I actually watched Alan Kerbishley uh, play for several because my my older brother Michael and, and John. Uh, they they both played and and Alan played in the, the same team. So I remember as as a uh, sort of wow, I remember real real young memories of being five and six watching me watching Alan Kirbishley, my brother at Semrep. I think it's just you know it's uh, being the, the East End. Um, there was a I remember on a, on a Sunday afternoon, if you wasn't over there, you know by two o'clock on we had a we had a square concrete square, and if you weren't over there, there'd be thirty. 30 kids all, you know, fighting for a place in the, uh, the, the 11 v 11. So it was a, it, it was a big, big part. The old East End 
the the football side. I mean, as a as I sort of got you know progressed through football, um, you know, other other players were saying they they were good at cricket, good at golf. I I never had any of that. That was just you know football was football was everything to me, and I don't know, but maybe that's what all the other kids in uh, in the East End felt as well. <laughs> because we've got so much stuff to talk about because you had a long and and very interesting career we'll we'll get to QPR now and we'll start with the youth team so you say there previously that you liked what they were doing coaching wise what separated them from the rest in that respect it was just a really friendly club as well uh I I I just enjoyed um I enjoyed the 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 coaching we had a, a coach called Bobby Ross but uh George Graham was the youth team manager uh there at the time and uh, Jules used to, you know, watch the watch the under fifteens play six and I was I was in the youth team at uh, a young age as well. So uh, George was a, a big influence. Um, and I said, as I said, Terry Terry Venables. It was definitely a, a club on, on the up. Uh, that you know got through the, the cup final against Tottenham, got promoted under Terry. So it, it was definitely a club that uh, I, I felt was going to go places. And as I said before, it wasn't going into you know, as I said, I I I, I was lucky enough. I, I had my pick of any club that I wanted because you know things were going well for me at the time. But QPR just seemed the, the right fit for me. Stereotypical question from me straight away. So whose whose boots did you clean amongst the other chores that you had to do? Well, Tony Curry uh, for sure. Used to enjoy doing him. Glenn Roder, Clive Allen. I mean, I still um, I'm, I'm good friends. Well, I'm not good friends with Clive, but I've known Clive uh, obviously a long time now. They used to treat me quite well actually at Christmas as to Glenn Roder. <laughs> There, there was, there were again, there were, there were some good players at Queen's Park Rangers: John Gregory, Simon Stainwood, Terry Fenwick. There were some, you know, re- really good players, and I, I sort of got into the first team squad relatively, relatively early, at sixteen, seventeen, and you know, they, they they looked after me. They were they were good people. Considering Clive Allen's career, especially in the eighties, it's remarkable that he didn't play more for England. But I guess, given Gary Lineker et al., it, that might be the reason. But People, I think my generation and beyond that, kind of forget just how good he was. He was an unbelievable finisher, unbelievable finisher. He he was there. Uh, he, he he was the up and coming thing at Queens Park Rangers as a kid himself. Um, but when when I got there, I remember you know looking at him. He, he was he was also the first player I remember being sponsored. He he got sponsored. I think it was Elise back in the day. So that was a you know pretty big sponsor and uh, but he was a very humble man, Clive, and still is. Um, when he 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 left uh, Queens Park Rangers, went to Arsenal, and then that was that bizarre um, yeah. transfer to Crystal Palace, and one thing another in the space of a um, you know a, a short period. But you know talking to Clive, I know you know when when he scored, what was it? God knows how many goals at, at, at Tottenham uh, one season. He was he, he, he was electric. He come alive in the box. I wouldn't say. I think he'd be the first to admit that he you know wouldn't be the you know, the greatest footballer outside the box. You know, as a, a lot of the, a lot of the very best centre forwards. But um, give give him the ball inside, he, he he could find the net for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think Arsenal were lured in by the the fact that they could get Kenny Samson, didn't Kenny they? Kenny Samson was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, and that yeah. worked out pretty well for them as well, didn't it? So you know, kind of understandable, I guess. So sure. I mean, as you say, you're like quite the hot prospect. Um, you're you're in the first team setup quite young, aren't you? Who who's the manager at that stage? Is it Mullery or is it, is it Frank Sibley? 
Uh, at first, when I first went there, was Terry. Terry put me in. Terry Venables put me in the. I travelled to uh, of all places was Carlisle uh, for my first trip. That was, uh, but I, I, I didn't make the bench. But I was, I was sixteen. They they took me away a couple of times. And then when Terry left, uh, Alan Mullery came in. Didn't quite progress with Alan. Um, but I'd, I'd also contracted glandular fever as well, which uh, it took him you know nearly eighteen months to diagnose. I, I kept getting injured. I was, I, I think they told me at one point the most games I, I'd played was you know, six games without going injured. So my body was just giving up on me, no matter how much I, I, I was trying. So that that really kept me from being the age of sort of 16, 17 up until eighteen and a bit nineteen before I really found you know the, the you know the the, the the strength of my body to to try and get a run of games. So I felt I missed out, you know. Uh, um, at an early age, um, he, he went Alan Mallory, Frank Sibley, and then Jim Smith came in for a, a, a few years who, who, who did give me my, my, my full debut. So it's Jim Smith that gave you a debut. What do you remember about that? Uh, hitting one from 25 yards outside of my foot into the top corner. So that, that was, uh, <laughs> so that was, yeah, that was quite memorable. It was against Hull City at, um, on a Tuesday night. I didn't know I was playing, and um, Jim read my name out on the team sheet and I, th- I think I'm not sure but I think it was in certainly I think it was within 20 minutes book company and I'm, I uh, hit it from 25 yards and uh, hit the back of the net Yeah considering the amount of goals that you scored in the league in your career you must have come out of that game thinking this is easy Yes and I should have scored a whole lot more as uh, you know when we get to talk about Swindon that record wasn't 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 the best but I I ended up moving you know as as you well know from from a midfield player I ended up wide player because I was quick and then ended up you know Aussie put me uh, at full back at Swindon but uh, I sh- I should have scored a, a lot more goals in my career that's for sure <laughs> I've got to talk about it because it's something that was quite prominent at the start of my time of watching football as a child, and that's the pitch at Loftus Road, which of course was artificial. How did you find that? It, it was awful. It really was dreadful. Um, it was rock hard. Uh, there, there was like, there was big gaps in it. The, the, the couple of times, see the groundsman you know, like with big sewing sewing needles trying to pull the uh, the I think it was called Omni Turf at the time, trying to pull it together. But it, it, it was it was a real disadvantage to uh, us as a team. Because you know we we would we would play half our games there the season, whereas another club only had to come there and play once. I remember playing Liverpool, and they you know they are brilliant players, and they come here and just absolutely every time the ball bounced, Alan Hansen and Mark Lawrence just put their foot through it, kicked it sixty yards forward because they had no interest in you know all they want to do is get get their job done and and, and get out of there. So it was a, it was a disadvantage actually, but I, I suppose it did it it, it did help with. Uh, you know, with your, your first touch and your, your weight of pass, but that wasn't because the uh, the pitch was good. Like now, with the four G, you get you get a true roll to the ball. It's still not quite the same, but no, I, I, I didn't enjoy it at all. And I had, so I was there from uh, sixteen on on that uh, beg your pardon on that Omni turf left where left there when I was about twenty two, and I've had Achilles problems, knee problems, and I I I reckon that probably had quite a bit to do with it. Yeah, and they still talk about that now, the, the risk of injuries, even with like technology as advanced in that sort of field, for one, <laughs> to excuse the pun there, yeah. but yeah. but 
it's still seen with extreme caution, isn't it? Because a lot of non-league teams have it because they want to get through the winter period, don't they? Yeah, well, it's a, it's, it's, a, it's big revenue. They, they a lot of the clubs they hire it out to uh, the local community, and you know that you, with you know they, they call it the pitch off. They they can command a like a you know good money for it, and it's it's probably some some of the clubs the only way they can survive. So you can understand it. Um, I've, I've 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 coached on it a few times, played on it with the, with the vets. Uh, it's still it's still it still isn't true, you know. I, I think the game belongs on grass, but it's you know the teams up teams certainly. I think a few teams in Scotland as well mm. because of the weather. It's it, it is understandable. Looking through your QPR career, you played alongside and with teammates to so many major names. Um, you've got yourself, of course, Ozzy Ardiles was there for a brief time. You've got Les Ferdinand, David Seaman, Paul Parker, and the Swindon links like uh, Terry Fenwick, as you mentioned, Adam McDonald, Gary Waddock, so many. Who were the players that you looked up to the most while you were developing in the game? Tony Curry was when, when I first sort of was training with the first team. Tony Curry was just um, head and shoulders above everybody. He, he was uh, he was coming towards the end of his career, but I was fortunate enough to, to have played with him a couple of times in in the reserves, um, and he was he, he, he was absolutely brilliant, two footed. He was so strong on the ball as well. Um, but there, again, that was the first time I, I'd, I'd sort of got to got to know Aussie. Actually, Aussie came there, finished his career at, uh, at Queens Park Rangers, and for some reason he he took me under his wing. Um, used to sit and talk to me after training. Um, and, you know, he, he actually said to me, David, he said, who, who, who do you think is the best player here? And uh, we had a midfield player, Kevin Brock at the time. He was a good player. I said, yeah, yeah Brock, he's a real good player. And he said, no, you got it all wrong. He said, you should, you're the best player at this club by a mile. And I looked at him, I thought, you, you know, you, you're joking me. At the time, I was, I was, I was so far out of the team. Trevor Francis was, you know, even, even, you know, thinking about playing me. And, um, so he, he really he, he's always been a, since then he's he's been a, a real mentor for me Aussie. Um, I when, when he, he then he then finished his career there and took the job at, um, at Swindon and, and asked me to go with him. How frustrating is it when somebody who's won a World Cup is saying you're the best footballer in this club and you're not getting games? Yeah, it, it was on I me, mean, but I think I'd, I'd sort of come to the point where I actually wanted to leave as well. I think when when Trevor Francis first got the job. I went in and I played at sweeper. Uh, we were we were struggling a little bit uh, the bottom end of the table. When I played the last fourteen games, and we obviously we we, we comfortably uh, avoided relegation. And I thought coming back that pre-season that uh, that I'd, I'd, I would feature in in in, in Trevor's uh, team, but he made it very clear that I I, I wasn't going to. He brought in Don Howe, so I, I was sort of pushed pushed to the side. I I knew I I had the ability. But I'd, I'd made my made, made my uh, mind up that I needed to get away as well. So um, maybe a bit of both. Maybe I could have, you know, tried to, you know, really ram it down Trevor's throat and fight for my fight for my place. But I, I told him also, look, like, my, my time was finished there, and I needed to move on. As in somebody who's just looking at your career through research, I look at the 87-88 season where, sure, you don't play the majority of games, but you score a few goals, and that's the year that QPR finished higher than any other London club and 
that's fifth place. And that must be amongst some of the proudest achievements you achieved there. Yeah, but it's uh, you can sort of uh, all all time timings are, are important in 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 life. Lot you know certainly in in, in just in football career, but it's uh, it, it was it was one of the things. Manage certain managers see things in you that you know that when similar when I when I was at, uh, when I was at Tottenham uh, with with Jerry Francis, but you you have to accept it and you know it, it was no good harboring on you you fight for your place. If not, get yourself away. A couple of detours before we get to Swindon, because, you know, you took part in 1986 in the Coca-Cola Classic Soccer International Series. Really flows off the tongue, doesn't it? Playing for the Tampa Bay Rowdies, but it was essentially QPR. I imagine Rodney yeah. Marsh had something to do with that. Yes, we were. It was the end of the, end of the season and uh, QPR, they they. they, they chosen I think there was 10 or 11 of us to go out there and, and join up with uh, the Rowdies they had um, four or five players Steve Wagley and Roy Wagley who also played with Queen's Park Rangers um, but the you know the manager at the time was Rodney Marsh so that was the, the natural thing I suppose for him to ask QPR to come out there we went out there I think we was out there for about six weeks played four games and one of them was this all-star game um i think there was seventy five thousand um supporters in 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 the stadium uh it was on july the 4th and i think 74,000 of them turned up to see the firework display at the end of it i'm not too sure they was interested <laughs> in uh watching us like, run around but it was a great experience um you know that said the, the four games that played out there really really enjoyed it and uh we managed to obviously take you know get a bit of free time out there as well yeah, there are worse summer holidays, aren't there? I mean, yeah, for sure. Weird fixture list: Glen Torren, Dundee United, Canada, and as you say, they're the uh, the NASL All Stars. And I'm pretty sure Pele would have been involved in that as well. Oh, I, don't, I can't remember. I think they they were promised him that he was going to turn up and play. I unfortunately I never got the uh, to see him, but that that would have been special. I, I I thought he was coaching, but alas, he didn't turn up. What a superstar! <laughs> <laughs> One other thing before we move on, and that's England, because as you said, that you were quite the prospect, or you had the pick of teams, which means that you're pretty damn good, and you played for England quite a fair bit in the early 80s, uh, playing alongside people that Swindon fans will know, like Paul Rideout and Ian Culverhouse, and then more nationally known players like Teddy Sheringham and Martin Keown, and... You played a lot of tournaments, didn't you? I mean, what what was it like playing for England at youth level in the in the eighties? Yeah, I, I used to, I loved it. Really, really used to love playing for uh, England, uh, especially when it, the tournaments abroad. It was at that time we it was it was quite regular as well. But as you said, there was some some top players. I I played with Teddy in the same team, St Matthews. When I you know uh, that was the Saturday, Saturday club. So I've known Teddy since I was eight. Um, so going away with him, um, there was some, as you said, you, you mentioned Keown, but it, it, it produced some, produced some really good players, and it's, I mean, there's it, now, uh, I think there's all sorts of ages now, and they're six, you know, 15, 16, 17s, 18s, 19s, but at the time it was under 18s and uh, under 21s when I was playing. So I was lucky enough, uh, I managed. Um, I only knew this the other day because they had. Someone hit me with a quiz question about myself, which I didn't know. But I'd I'd made 29 um, appearances for England, which was then it was a record. 
managed to go on. I got got capped at 21 levels as well. But uh, yeah, it was a it was a, always a great thrill. You know, going to uh, playing in tournaments where you're playing team like like he ran. I remember playing against uh, we one game in particular where we we won the tournament. Uh, the final we beat the host Yugoslavia. I think it was 11-10 on penalties. Our goalkeeper scored and their keeper missed. So some really good memories as well. It seemed to be that you were perennially in France for for certain times of the year. Yeah, um, again, I remember. I, I thought that we were uh, we were we were a good time, uh, good, good side, and uh, we we played the French national team, and you know we uh, they they toyed with us, couldn't get near the ball. They they were they were brilliant then, but uh, it was a uh, it was it was a great experience playing for the national team. Something I really you know treasure. I was trying to find some opponents that you, you, you would have been against. I, I found Tommy Hassler, who was a West Germany player. I found Roberto Mancini. Um, you played against. Were there any that, that stood out for you when you were playing? Yeah, uh, I played in, in the European Championship against uh, France in, I can't, I can't remember, Graham Taylor was the, the manager, but I think Cantona and Ginola were in the same team, in the French team. That was, uh, that was shown to me. I, I didn't have, someone showed me the programme. But they're the, they're the two that I I, I I do remember. I can't I can't recall. I didn't know I played against Mancini. I had played I played against Mancini for Tottenham uh, in a pre-season game against Sampdoria, but I didn't know I played against him as a youth team player. So that that's something because he was a he he was special. He certainly was, and you know the internet can let me down, but it's certainly in the team sheet that that I came across. Right okay. on, on on the terms of Graham Taylor, I mean he was a top flight manager looking after England youth team. That wouldn't happen now, would it? No, no, no. no. There was a, it was quite, a, you know, there was a little bit going on at the time as well because I, I was because I was playing a, a, a year above my age, uh, but Graham Taylor was the manager of um, of, of the. The, the youth, the, the under 18s. Terry Venables was my manager at Queens Park Rangers, and that was a totally different type of personalities. Well, not personalities, but uh, different um, methods of playing. Terry was getting the ball down, passing it, pass, pass, pass. Where Graham, as everybody knows, was pretty route one. So that was, uh, you know, quite a, quite a different culture that I went into playing under Graham. He was also probably the first manager that really, really. Sort of got I, I I saw get tucked into players and me in particular actually we played played Russia um, in, in in a game and at half time I thought I was doing okay and he came in and absolutely lambasted me and I thought we said well you know this is obviously what you know the most you know once you do get in the first team this is this is what it's all about but he 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 showed me some um, some give me some great ideas of playing I, I, I was pushed out wide right. And I was sort of, a, I, I could go past people, could dribble, but he, he he taught me the art of uh, just, you know, not not even looking, not looking to go past, just out your feet and whip it in. Um, and he expected his, his, his centre forwards to get across. I don't know if you remember, I think it was called the POMO position of maximum opportunity. That was a big thing at the FA at the time. And uh, it, it, we sort of, we, we did okay. We should have actually. We, we got beat on penalties. We should have gone on and won won the championship, actually. Yeah. And as you mentioned there, you got your, your one England under-21 cap against Turkey at Portman Road. Again, you've got teammates like David Seaman in there. You've got uh, Wayne Faraday. And it, it always amazes me when I look at under-21 lineups over the years where 
players can either go on and have these really established careers or they can maybe not go as far as their early potential. It's, yeah. It must be really like when you play for England under 21s, you must think I'm, I'm almost here, but it really isn't the case, is it? No, it's uh, it, it 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 takes a it takes a lot to be a, a, a professional footballer. Um, now, you know, I've, I've worked in sort of a, a academy level, and, and I'm, I, as, as a coach, and I've seen it. You, you look at players at a young age, and you know they're, they're way ahead of the group, but you know it, it, it's it's a, it's a long road to it. So. Even 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 now, you know, if if you get to you get to play for your national team under twenty one, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to go on and um, and 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 crack it. Certainly, uh, you you might make it a level, but it it, it 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 will come from it has to come from within how far you want to push yourself. There's been I'm sure everybody knows someone you look back and you say you know he could have been a player, he could have been a player. Well. He may have, but he wasn't because of, because there's a reason. There's a, there's a lot goes into making a, 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 a pro footballer. Yeah. And the final question on the England front, where are the caps today? Do you know what? They're in my wardrobe. Um, <laughs> they're in my, I've, I've, uh, I've, I've never been one for really you know, c- collecting stuff. My, my mother and father, God rest their soul, they, 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 they had everything. Uh, they kept everything for me. And mum and dad passed five years ago. And sort of, so that's why... I've sort of got them, so I, I still haven't sort of done anything with them. But would I? You know, they're, they're probably you know, as proud as I am of them and my time with England. Well, let's say I'm, I'm going to make my mind. I'm going to put them in a case. So I, I need to. I need to. I need to look after them a bit better than I do. <laughs> oh, I, one of the answers I had was this: they're in a bin bag in the loft, so it's a bit better than than that. And do you have one for each one as well? No, you used to get you used to get sort of a, if you, you played in a tournament. So if, um, you used to get the uh, the, the, the countries embroidered on the on the peak of the cap. Yeah, yeah they're cool. They're they're they're, 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 they're cool. Yeah. Good. Still left. How long? Oh, slip by Hazard. Well, the pass wasn't that good enough. Summerbee. Good strike. Okay then, so I've kept people waiting long enough. Let's talk about Swindon Town. So it's it's a really interesting time really to be joining Swindon because Swindon have been going up the leagues with Lou Macari and in the summer of 89, Ozzy Ardiles comes in and replaces him. But he doesn't really make much... Well, there's not much activity in the transfer market when uh, when he arrives. He, he obviously brings in Tony Galvin in, but, but he's his coach. Sean Close comes in during the season. But that's it, because I guess this Swindon side is really quite stable. At the start of the season, Lee Barnard is, is playing right back, but he is also sold off to Cardiff. You're not a right back at this stage. So what are your memories of joining Swindon? Um, Ozzy... Ozzy called me and um, he, he he said to me, "Look, would you would you think about coming come to Swindon?" And I you know I, I, th- I thought myself I was at Queens Park Rangers, I was a London boy. I thought myself, "No, if I can get a London club, uh, that that would suit me." I spoke spoke to my father and he said, "Look, you know, at some point, you know, I've got to start playing you know regular football." Uh, I then started to mull it over my mind. Look, you know, and I thought to myself, "Do you know what? If Ozzy Ardiles has said yes, who the hell am I? You know, not to." <laughs> You know, to say yes, especially to go and work with Ozzy. So I travelled down and met him, and 
well, you know, we, I'd, I'd, I'd agreed. It was before first team game match. I met I met him um, in a hotel. We had about half an hour, and uh, I'd, I'd agreed to sign on on the Saturday. He rushed off to the first team game. I didn't go. And I think I ended up signing on on the Thursday. Yeah, and you joined Swindon at a time where they're upper mid-table. The season has started so-so. But the most clear thing is this this seems like a tight, changing room so you know they've they've been through a lot they've 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 been very successful what was it like as an outsider coming into that you know i i loved it the minute i got there um i i felt exactly what you just described there um i'd I'd been in and out the sort of the team at at queen's park rangers and towards the end i I wasn't nowhere near it so to get in the dressing room and i remember you you know just before we going out I, i was pretty sort of relaxed uh, even from my debut, you know, nerves have never really got got the better of me. And I'm looking round, and I'm 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 seeing Colin Calderwood, you know, Ed, Ed button walls and slapping his face. Steve White doing the same. Stigger Foley, Ross uh, Ross McLaren, you know, proper men, really, really revved up for this game. And I thought to myself, you know, God, I, I love a bit of this. Couldn't wait for it. There was a there was a real good real good team spirit, but they. Uh, there, 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 was, there was a bit of bite about that team, real, uh, you know, like a real tenacity. Of, you know, apart from being good players, there, there was a real win to, to win in that dressing room. Yeah, and it's really interesting that you say that because they are essentially Lou Macari sort of style players, but Aussie brought a different brand to them as well, didn't he? Yeah, well, obviously Lou, had, you know, had, you know, the, the, uh, had great success with sort of you know concentrating mainly on you know sort of a. A long ball game and being, you know, like a, a extremely fit fit team. Aussie sort of changed that. He, he still demanded uh, the the fitness side of it, but when I when I had the chat with him, he said to me that he felt he had the players that he could pop the ball around. People talk about the different systems. I mean, we, Aussie was using that diamond system when I first went. He actually, but he actually brought me in to play as the number ten in behind. Mm-hmm. Um, Steve White and Duncan, Duncan Shearer. So that's where I was brought into play. Unfortunately, he said to me, he, 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 at the time, I think it was Dave Hockaday playing right back. He said, I, I, I want you to play, play it right back for me for one game. He said, uh, he said uh, me, my, my fullback's injured. I think Dave, Dave, Dave had picked up an injury. So I played it right back. And uh, I think we went 23 games or something. It was something like that where we... We were picking result after result up. It was it was unchanged the team, and we just got into a bit of a rhythm. And and obviously we 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 saw it off at Wembley. As somebody who had been in the London football bubble, what did you learn about football outside of the city? So you moved to a sleepy Wiltshire town. You know, it's a, it's complete contrast to what you're used to. How did you find that? Um, it wasn't that sleepy. I didn't think <laughs> it was. Uh, I, 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 I loved it there. I mean, it was the obviously Queens Park Rangers was you know your, your first club, so that always stays with you. But when I got there, I just what again just repeat myself. I I just felt that that, that dressing room. I really wanted to be part of it. Um, there was a uh, there was a there was a good good following. The, the the supporters were. I think they you know they sort of well, they took to me immediately because I was a I was a sort of midfield player, wide player, playing at fullback. I probably wasn't the best defender in the world, but I, I could 
you know, sort of could go forward and cross the ball, beat players. So the, the, the fans warmed to me straight away. So it was, it, it, it felt, it, it felt perfect. You know, it, it was, it, it was coming, coming from Queens Park Rangers to Swindon. People would say it was a, a, you know, one step back, but I felt I went one, one step back and four or five forward. Yeah. My time. I, I would say that was right. Were, were you based still in London during this time or did you move over? Um, I, I, I remember the first sort of, uh, my wife was, uh, my wife was pregnant with her, um, my else at the time. So she stayed, but then we, but I did, yeah, within, within the year I, I, I moved into, where was it? What part of Swindon now? Uh, West Swindon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was over, over at West Swindon. When you signed for Swindon, there's already been reports in the papers of, you know, the issues that ultimately resulted in Swindon getting demoted at the end of the and at, at the end of the Wembley win was that ever a concern did they explain it did they talk it through at that time or was it just not really discussed no uh, certainly not when I when I signed I never knew n- nothing about it. it wasn't until you know we were getting getting close to Wembley that there was you know these rumors of of uh, you know like if, if we did go we go up we could be demoted um I I was I, I was obviously never a part of uh, the things that went on before, but I, I remember coming back from we were like I think we we, had, we were down in the West Country and we'd come back and as we pulled up there must have been about thirty tax people just chasing after after the, the players. Um, it was uh, it was devastating actually. Once you know I, I remember you know thinking that was just the, the great, my, my greatest achievement when we when we got. Um, and we got promoted against Sunderland, and then you know getting that call telling us we got demoted because, you know that that, that, that we were a good team there. We 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 would have been all right in uh, in the in the top flight, but it, it wasn't it wasn't to be. Yeah, let's, let's give let's give the playoffs the credit it deserves because it's one of the things historically, from my observations, gets kind of ignored because of what happened afterwards. But it was a wonderful moment for town fans. So you know. Swindon in the playoffs when we when we've been successful, the semi-finals have always been quite grueling as well. So for your experience, it was it was Blackburn Rovers, and I mean we beat them two one in both games with Foley scoring a great goal. What are your memories of those games? Yeah, obviously they were they were was a good team, but going going there and uh, and beating them two one, uh, we, we we felt confident, and if. I, I believe right that we we scored early on at home, didn't we, for the second leg mm-hmm. as well? Or oh, have I got yeah, that we, wrong? Um, we scored two in quick succession in the. Yeah. In, they were both in the first half, about you know, with about ten minutes left of the half, but they were within minutes of each other. Yeah, and and, and just think, you know, I remember you know thinking there, and you know, I, I can't believe it. I think we've done this, but it was it just you know, their moments never ever ever leave you. They're indescribable actually. Mm. Uh, that 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 feeling of. Uh, the, the pressure that 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 was on to get you know, trying to get to Wembley and then to get uh, get promotion uh, is is immense in a city. You know, I don't, I never really suffered with uh, nerves, but it's just the, the it's the adrenaline that's going through your body is is, is immense. Um, but we we it ended up pretty one sided against uh, Blackburn, and then um, I don't think you know when we when we went to Wembley, apart from the first. Maybe eight nine minutes against Sunderland, probably. But you wouldn't see too many more one-sided playoff final games. Yeah. Uh, although the score 
was only 1-0. <laughs> it is one of those funny ones. And anybody who, who hasn't seen it, watch it, because it is remarkable how it only stayed 1-0. Um, had you played at Wembley with schoolboys at this stage? Yes, I'd, I'd played there. Um, I'd played there a couple of times. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but seventy-two thousand and the first division being the goal, slightly different in atmosphere, I imagine. Yeah, it's just it's it's just as well, you know. You know, without repeating myself, that it's that being with your teammates, like so with England schoolboys, it was all a little bit sort of glamorous and one thing and another. It was great representing the country and all the family were there. But this was like a, your livelihood, you know. So like we we felt we had a like, squad of whatever it was, sixteen people there. We were all together, and whatever you know, you you, you would have, I would have run for a brick wall for for my teammate. So to go out there and you know they were they they, they were what they are now, you know they were a big club. Mm. Um, but we absolutely absolutely tore them apart. It was a uh, but you know. Towards, I even remember uh, the last sort of like sort of five or five or six minutes, we um, we, we 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 kept the ball from them. So at, at no point did I, I ever think that we were they were ever going to score, uh, which is unusual. You know, it, like even now when I'm I'm coaching on the side, I got my head in my hands, thinking, oh, "Come on, boys, see this through." As a player, because I was on the pitch, we were we were just, you know they they couldn't get near it. They couldn't yeah. get near it. But that was a testament to uh, the players and Aussie. Yeah, I mean, I've I've talked to Fraser Digby, Paul Bowden, Alan McLaughlin, Colin Calderwood, who all played in this game as well, and they all have their theories and their opinions about Sunderland that day, um, whether they knew they were going up, um, if if they if they did, or if the FA knew what they were going to do. That's absolutely scandalous in its own right. But as a professional. You want to win those games, regardless of what happens next. So it, it was simply. Plain and simple, Aussie Adidas just got the better of them that day, didn't he? No, for sure. Yeah, we. I, I, I probably then no, you know, no, probably look, you know, because they 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 were, they were sort of probably more household names than us. They were probably earning more money than us. But I, I, I knew now that we had we had some really really top top players there. Uh, we had, we had everything. We had you know the two boys up front, Duncan and, and, and Chalky were. Were goal scorers. We had real bite in midfield with, uh, with Ross sitting at the bottom. You, know, you look now, you know this again. Talk about Aussie system as, as a diamond. You know he, he had he had his fullbacks, myself and and, and 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 Zippy bombing on. That's what the modern modern day game is now with fullbacks. He he had a holding midfield player. Not many people doing that there at the time. He had the ten trying to you know Alan, Alan McLaughlin, um, you know. Picking picking a ball up in pockets. That's everything you hear now. That was Aussie, whatever long ago that was. It twenty odd must be twenty two, twenty two years now, twenty three years. I don't know what it is. Well, from that game. Yes, yeah. Well, how long is it now? <laughs> thirty. Go away. Almost to the day. Almost to the day. It was the anniversary 30. a couple of weeks? I was going to say it's twenty five because we had that. Um, we had the the reunion a couple of years ago, didn't we? A few years ago, a shy five years ago. <laughs> Five years ago, that reunion. Well, wow, 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 wow. Though I am sure. <laughs> Time yeah, keeps but... us slipping, doesn't it? Um, oh, and it just, yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, man for man, that Swindon side, and it's all hypothetical, and it's all well and good me saying this as a Swindon fan, but Aussie ID this with that 11 plus a couple more, and you've got Fitzroy Simpson coming through as well. 
with that shadow that we would we would have been I'm not saying we, we were going to rip it up, but we we would have been competitive. That's for sure. Uh, we we had everything. What I just said, you know, we had boys who could score goals. We had people who could pass it. We were uh, we, we people got this misconception about Aussie that he was all at attack. You know, with, with regards Swindon and and Tottenham, that wasn't that wasn't the case. He he, listen, he was a World Cup winner. He knows how to uh, organise a football team. So we we would have been fine that. The, you know, in, in the top flight, no problem. Yeah, and like I said, we've got Vitzroy and Nicky Summerby there waiting in the wings, just a yeah, couple of players just to just to compete and I think we yeah. would have been we would have been okay. So that makes the summer quite difficult for you. And you're still new. You you're less than a year in. You've you've achieved something fantastic in promotion in front of seventy plus thousand at Wembley and in one fell swoop is taken away from you. Um what are your memories of that summer? It, it honestly, it was, it, it was dreadful. It thought nothing else apart from just our, our cheated um, that we, we all felt. Uh, everybody wants to play at the highest level. Um, we felt that we we, we we would have had a we would have had a chance, but you know, without going into it, I, I mean, I, I said I never really knew anything about what had gone on anyway. Uh, with re- with regards um, the, the reasons why we got demoted, so I, I particularly felt even you know probably even more bitter towards it. I think myself, you know, I, I joined the football club to you know to try and pro- progress my career to go and help Swindon try and achieve whatever what ambitions they had, um, achieved the goal and just adulation, but it, it you know it, it was just taking us away. So whole summer was ruined and I think it, you know it affected affected a lot of us uh, the following year do you think it's as simple as that it's it's a proper hangover for 1990-91 this is, this is the season where I go to my first game and of course you know we lose a couple of assets on the field like Alan McLaughlin but the squad doesn't change too much are you just completely wiped out by it as, as as a squad? What what was the changing room like? Was it is it more psychological? Or was it quite on the was it was it on the surface? Um, I'm, I'm I'm unsure if I'm quite honest. I'm unsure. As you just said, it was it was a long time ago now. Yeah. But it, it definitely felt that um, I think that one or two, uh, maybe even you know, like uh, Aussie had, had, had achieved what he wanted. Uh, could he could he go any further? Uh, and that might have been the case with uh, with, with the players as well, um, but I, I, you know we 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 didn't we we just didn't have that rhythm that we had uh, the year before. Uh, I think it'd be a nice excuse just to blame blame it on you know like we was uh, you know the, uh, feeling not feeling sorry for ourselves because you can't do that in football. But it it it, it you, you see it time and time again with uh, with teams that lose out in. In, in the playoffs, they, for some reason, they don't particularly, they certainly don't start the season well the, the, the following year. So uh, it's uh, it's something that, you know, we, we, we should have probably dealt with better than what we did. Yeah. There were a few games from that season that I would like to highlight. One, that tackle you got sent off after a few minutes against Leicester, that was a bit naughty, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, something I'm not proud of. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, I think, if I remember... Rightly, I remember sitting down on, on the bench and, and Aussie just looking at me and giving me such a stare. Ooh. And as I sat down, it turned four minutes. 
And I, I was just thinking, wow, I, uh, how much have I let him down? How much have I let the players down, uh, the supporters? Um, but we, it, I blame him. It was two or three, two or three of the players that you know, uh, Ross McLaren was saying to me, look, they've got, a, they've got a left winger, real, real good player, Tommy Wright. He said. He said, you need to get a grip of him because he, he he's a real good player. And I remember just like the first challenge, I thought to myself, right, you know, like, I, I just need to give him a, a heavy, sort of a heavy, heavy slap, really. But uh, it, it, it wasn't something I, I went over the top of the ball and it was it, it was it was wrong. It was wrong. And um, I sort of, I've, I've, I've known Tommy a long time, actually, on the circuit, you know, where, you know, he's coached. I've been on courses with him. And, uh, you, you know, between us, we've never, ever mentioned it. Never ever mentioned it, but he's a he's, he's he was a good player and he he was a good man and and I, and I regret, regret what I did. Yeah, that's good because you know where he is now, don't you? Where's Tommy? Swindon Town. You're joking me. First team that. coach. First team coach. I didn't know Tommy. Did. Well, he's he's in with Richie, is he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, right. I didn't I didn't know Tommy was a uh, he's he's a good man. Tommy. He's um, said real real good player. Good good left foot. Take you on and. I think that was my my fear is that he was gonna he was gonna rip me up. I wasn't. I didn't think I was. I, I knew I weren't a great defender, but I had pace to get myself out of it. But it was, uh, yeah, as I said, something I regret. He went on to have a fine career at Leicester, so there was no major damage done before anyone no, asks. No, no. He was he no. was he was fine, but it, it looked yeah. grisly, didn't it? Um, you know, another another game that really stands out in Swindon history is is the Bristol City game away four nil, which at that time meant so much to Swindon fans because Bristol City gave it gave us hell in the early stages of that season because of what happened. Um, it was one of our first games that in that campaign and we lost at home to them and we're struggling in the league and then we go to Ashton Gate and absolutely dismantle them. And of course, Mickey Hazard's there at that point as well who just added that that, that extra, didn't he? Yeah, no, Mickey, Mickey was a sensational player. Absolutely sensational when you consider his sort of back end of his career as well. But it, uh, you know, remember the game we 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 absolutely blitzed them, uh, toyed with them. But it, I, I, if I remember if I remember rightly as well, looked, uh, they were trying to kick Mickey off the pitch, and uh, every time I got the ball, yeah, they have two players on him just waiting, and he was just saying to him, "Give me the ball, give me the ball, give me the ball," uh, which was <laughs> he, he absolutely he, he tore them apart. But as I said, he he, he was a special player, Mickey. Yeah, and then Aussie leaves, doesn't he, and is replaced at the tail end of the season. I was at Glenn Hoddle's unveiling game or first game in charge, which was against Watford in about April time. So, you know, as you've mentioned at the start of this, one of your heroes coming on, and again, that that must be a huge motivator, because when managers leave, I guess players are like, oh God, who's going to come in, and then you're waiting eagerly for the name and then it's Glenn Hoddle. Yeah, that's exactly when, when Aussie went, I, I was really low. I, I thought, you know, like this is a, a probably now, is is this my time to sort of move on and try and, you know, sort of further my career. Mm. Um, but when I see, you know, the, the, the club, I'd got Glenn in, uh, what an opportunity for myself uh, and the rest of the players to, uh, to learn off him. You knew uh, what, uh, what a brilliant player he was. Um, he, he was always a, you know, you could see his mind ticking over just watching him play. So 
yeah, pretty pretty much, you're pretty sure that he, he was going to know what to do uh, as a as a manager and as a coach. So uh, I don't know, just his, his his first meeting, he came in. It just uh, it's just whole presence. I remember just you know I'd done everything. If I knew what he was saying, I was just staring at him, thinking, <laughs> "Wow, Glenn Hoddle, Glenn Hoddle in front of me." How did Glenn Hoddle contrast with Aussie in terms of training and, and philosophy? Um, the philosophy was very very similar because they the both insisted on um, you know playing through the you know through the thirds if you like. Glenn put himself in the sweeper, so at all, all times. Glenn was getting the ball off the off the goalie, um, and we would play through there. If, with Aussie, it was into the goalie's hands, fullback split, and and then he would always try and get it to uh, sort of into the fullback area, through the midfield, into the striker. So it was very very similar. Their training methods were different. Glenn was um, we, we used to spend a lot more time on the training ground. Uh, Aussies was a uh, real high tempo, short shot burst. Glenn, you know, sometimes we could be out there well, well over sort of, well over two hours, two and a half hours. Um, he, he, uh, beg your pardon, Glenn done a lot more 11 v 11s than Aussie. Uh, Aussie would work in in, in small areas, um, but certainly both there, you know, the, 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 the bat at the same score at Tottenham, you know, the the the, the ball had to be uh, rolled around on the floor unless Glenn was it in one of his. Uh, 60, 70 yard pearls, uh, that they, what he was allowed to do. In terms of your career as a coach, you've coached at pretty much every level in the English game, but you played in an era which was much, much different in many ways to what it is now. Can you take what you learn as a player from the managers that you, you worked under? Can you take that into the modern game? Um, yeah, I, 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 I have the, the, you know, the managers that sort of influenced me, Aussie in particular. Um, I'm still, I'm still good friends with Aussie, you, you know, today. Um, and he's actually, he said to me like Colin, same with Colin's teams, Colin Calderwood. He, he, he said he would be disappointed if we didn't want to play football. He said he, 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 he would expect us to, you know, want to, want to play the way he did. At, uh, at Lincoln City now, working with, with Michael Lapson, he's exactly the same. So it's it's easier if I mean I I have actually only been an assistant manager, so I can I can try um, and influence you know the managers I've worked with, but inevitably you, you'll play uh, the system play um, to the, the way that manager wants, but. Uh, I, I would always, you know, the, the ball's got to be, you know, for me, the ball's got to be played on the floor, passed around, um, a, a possession type game. That, that's never, that's never changed. I think that certainly that modern day, you know, if we're talking about what Aussie was doing 30 years ago. You know, that that's certainly, certainly the modern game. There is, is, is it's, it's a possession based uh, game. 1991-92 season is one of the underrated travesties in Swindon Town history as far as I'm concerned maybe because I was a young fan during this time but Swindon are more than competitive for the overwhelming majority of the season and then we lose Duncan Shearer who's the source of most of our goals to Blackburn Blackburn squeeze into the uh, playoffs as a result of Swindon's sort of downturn in form and then they go up and then they sell Duncan Shearer to Aberdeen and it seems like the perfect crime am I wrong 
That's exactly what happened. Yeah, <laughs> I think if you if you, you talk to Duncan, Duncan Duncan will tell you that as well. Um, Duncan knew the reason why he was bought from uh, the, the the one team. Like, like Duncan said when he when he was at Blackburn, they told him the one team they they feared what they didn't who they didn't want to come up against was was Swindon. So they they took our uh, obviously our goal goal scoring machine away that put the block on us and that they, they got up and, and and then got rid of Duncan he's, himself. He he knows that he'll, he'll gladly tell you that. So yeah, that that feels. Uh, I remember at the time actually, obviously the club was was in desperate need of yeah. uh, you know some uh, some cash, and it was it was either Duncan or myself that uh, were, were going to get sold. And uh, I think was it was three quarters of a million they paid for Duncan in the end. I think Blackburn maybe. Um, and a little it, bit more, a little bit more about eight hundred. Yeah, if, we, if we're nitpicking, it was it was just a little bit more, but a lot of money in in Swindon terms. Yeah, so you, you sort of you know as. as we we know as players, we you know when Duncan went, that was a that was a major blow to us. Yeah, and and it it, it really is as simple as that. That that guy could have or would have almost certainly got as close to forty as we've seen it in the, in the modern era. Um, little bits and pieces from that season, of course, you get your one and only goal for Swindon that year, and it's you know against pretty important opposition to Swindon fans. So thank you very much for that. First goal yes. against Oxford. Oxford, yes, at home. Uh, I don't have to. I think I remember rightly. Uh, I come in, come cutting from the right, got in the box, and, and I normally, normally I'm I'm looking to sort of pass the ball, uh, and I, this this time I just had a go, just you know, connected reasonably well. If I'm quite honest, if I look if I look back now, the keeper should have yeah. probably thrown his cap on it, but he he spilled in the top and. Uh, at least, at least after I mean, I was it was over a hundred games. Um, at least I'd got one goal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and if you're going to do it, do against them. Um, yes, yeah, yes. I mean, no, the the power was so much the goalkeeper couldn't hold on to it. Put it that way. We'll and say that way. Thank yeah, you. Exactly right. My pleasure. What what was it like with in the derbies against Oxford and the Bristol clubs? Because one thing that we're, we're spoilt for during this era. Are derbies, aren't they? So Bristol City, Bristol Rovers, Oxford United, all in the same division, pretty much at the same time for several years, which was, must have been great fun for fans. I'm too young to really appreciate those sort of games. But what was it like for you guys? What what were the ones that really stood out games wise for you? Not particular fixtures, but just which of those clubs did you really enjoy being? Uh, Br- Bristol City, actually. Yeah. Um, they, they, they always had that sort of. Uh, and I got the feel of the, the being the bigger club, the more um, to find a better word. Not, I'm going to say arrogant. I don't mean that as a, the, the you know the, the club itself, or but they 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 they, they probably felt they should be uh, in a, a level higher than what than what you know that they they were playing against Swindon. Um, and you know it was I, I just felt that there was a a, a little bit more. I mean. Uh, the, the atmosphere a little bit more electric when we played them. They, they also had, had a good following themselves. So when they did come down to the, the county ground, it made it good. We always took, you know, that, that full allocation there, and we always tend to have a, you know, a, you know, good results. Particularly that one you, you spoke about earlier, four 0 Yeah, I completely agree. In terms of match days, I mean, I don't know what's happening in the terraces and so forth, but it's always a little bit more empty for the Oxford games and always much bigger in attendances for the Bristol City ones. Whether they're bringing more, I don't know. But it, it, 
it just seems consistent over 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 time, doesn't it? Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I, that that four nil that four nil game as well. I remember going trying to get into the players' bar, and uh, they was poor. They must have had a hundred supporters outside there trying to get get. get I remember running up, uh, running away, being Colin called, run, running back down the stairs and getting on the bus, getting chased by about like, about thirty Bristol City supporters. But uh, yeah, it was it was it was quite it, it was intense. But the, I, I used to I used to enjoy them games. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, well, that that takes us to the first of your final seasons at Swindon, and it's a huge one. And it's the ninety two ninety three season where we are outstanding, and we get to Wembley. Of course, you're you're sold before that time. You are a regular throughout. The one thing I remember, and it's backed up by being able to watch it, is that documentary that came out. And you're yep. one bit to camera. You're talking about your move to Leeds, and you look gutted. Is that would that be fair? Yeah, because uh, I uh, just just leaving the club. Uh, it, it it meant so much to me. Had uh, great times there. As I, I was always incredibly grateful to the supporters. Uh, they, they 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 took me on board. Um, what I said earlier as as well that I'd gone, I'd taken one back to go forward, uh, and it, you know I, I was forever. You know, I will be forever grateful to Swindon for that. Um, it was a chance to, at the at the time. It was it was Leeds United. They were that they, they were champions of England the, the year before. They they won the league. Uh, huge club, and Glenn pulled me aside and said he's he's got no option. He said you can obviously say no. Um, he said but you know the the club are desperate desperate for the money. So you know I I, I couldn't turn that opportunity down. But what I did what I did know. I, I, I knew I was leaving the, the club that I sort of I loved at the time. I felt that we were going to go on and get promoted. Uh, so uh, yeah, it was it was a it was a bittersweet moment. But I was there at Wembley cheering, you know, in the middle of all the punters and you know singing and cheering, cheering the players on. Did did people around you go, David? What are you doing here? Ooh. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I was at, obviously the, the the club was kind enough to put me on uh, a couple of complimentary tickets, so I was in and around the families. Yeah. But w- walking through the <laughs> walking through <laughs> Wembley, the terrace with, with red and white hat and scarf on, and you know a lot of uh, a cold beer, watching the uh, watching the players perform miracles was uh, was a was a it was a great great experience. Lovely stuff, and you know. I do want to sort of cover a bit of your 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 post Swindon first spell, and I I feel like I've just breezed through this. I mean, there are two very clear different sides during your first spell at Swindon: the Aussie Ardiles one and the Glen Hoddle one that you left. Which one did you enjoy the most? Um, I think probably um, the first one mm-hmm. because what I said to you, I was I was a young boy coming in uh, in and out of Queens Park Rangers first team, never really felt. Uh, although I'd been there from a, a 15-year-old and uh, left when I was 22, 23, I never really felt really part of the first team. I'd made you know made appearances on and off, but when I when I first went to Swindon uh, and we, we you know we, we, we joined, we just went on a fantastic run to get to Wembley. We beat be Sunderland out, so I, uh, that that it sort of made me grow up. So I, I would say probably. Uh, that side, although the Glenn side, when you you know we look Johnny Monker, Mickey Hazard in in the team, 
well, you know, there, there's some Glenn himself, some some brilliant, brilliant players. I think your contribution is not long, not forgotten. I always think in football that it depends what happens after in relation to the legacies of footballers because you were player, you were the best right back in the championship as voted by the players three years in a row. You were in the team of the year, um, yep. so you don't you don't get that. By being mediocre, but I think because Nicky Summerby took the number two shirt from you straight after, and we kicked on and we got to the Premier League, your contribution not forgotten because people from that time will have remembered and they'll be thoroughly enjoying your memories right now. But it kind of it gets lost, and that's happened to lots of players after you as well, where like they had great seasons, but because the person that replaced them have great seasons immediately after you kind of get disregarded. I, I think that's for want of a better phrase, but you, you put in a real shift for Swindon. Yeah. I love, love, love my time there. Love, you know, love my time there. And, you know, I was good friends with, uh, Nicky Summerby. Um, when I first went there, Buzz was a, was a like young boy trying to come through. He was a little bit like myself. He was a, he was a white player who ended up, Glenn shifted him, uh, into right wing back. And he went on, you know, like Buzzer went on to have a, a fantastic career himself. But uh, there was no, never ever a, a, a problem. I, I think that that start of that year actually, I, I I missed the start of the season. I was injured, and Glenn put Buzzer in there, and he done really well. And I didn't get in the. I, like, he, he rightly so. He kept Glenn kept me out of the team uh, for the next game. Um, so I knew. You know, like I knew I had to play well for that rest of the rest of the season because you know, Nicky Nicky was always going to be pushing me for a spot. So I think that when when I went to Leeds, um, you know, they they could they they got they got decent money for me, but they also knew, you know, that they they had they had buzzer coming up, but you know, behind so that, that obviously cushioned the blow, which yeah. you know I was I was absolutely thrilled for. Him. Well played, Hoddle. You're listening to the Low Strangers podcast, proudly sponsored by the STFC Official Supporters Club. So like you said there, Leeds United, champions of England, Howard Wilkinson, absolute hero there. You know, they've got players like John Lukic and defence your your competition. You've got uh, you've got players like Chris White, Fairclough, um, Newsom, Dorigo, of course, David Weatherall's coming through. Um You've got you've got Gary Speed and you've got that, that midfield is unbelievable. You've got incredible, yeah, incredible midfield. Yeah. Where you, you look at Bat, Batty uh, in front of me was Gordon Strachan. Central midfield was McAllister, uh, Gary McAllister, David Batty, and out the left was was Speedo. So uh, that that there, there weren't too many better midfield in, no. you know in the country than that. No, and obviously David Rowcastle yeah. in there as well. It's it's. It's a completely different level to Swindon. Of course, they don't have a great season immediately after winning the league, but you're there, you're in the Premier League, and that's based on what you achieved at Swindon. But it didn't last long. What what, what went on there? Uh, I, I played the first uh, first eight games, yeah. and it uh, sort of went, went, went OK. Uh, I, I, I pulled my calf badly uh, at um, it was Anfield, actually, and uh, had to come off. Um, I missed the rest of the uh, rest of the season. I went away on holiday, rested my calf, and then whilst whilst I was on holiday, I started running again, really pushing myself through it. And the day before I, I came home, I, my, my calf went again. 
So I reported into pre-season injured. Um, I was out for another, I missed the first three weeks of pre-season. And the, the, the club went to Ireland, uh, if I remember rightly, they went to Ireland um, for pre-season training. And they had nobody at the club. Uh, the guy that I was play, uh, replacing was Mel Sterling. Uh, they had nobody else to play at right back. And they uh, they took the reserve team centre forward, come right winger, Gary Kelly, and put Gary in at, <laughs> Gary in at right back. Uh, and I remember being at home and looking at the papers and everybody saying, you know, he's just he's he's put in three unbelievable uh, uh, performances, um, and I, I just felt myself well that, that you know once I get myself fit, I'll get myself back in the team. Uh, they I, the first home game played West Ham at home, and he was absolutely sensational. And it was then I thought, wow, I'm I'm, I'm going to do well to get back in there. Um, anyway, I, I sort of worked hard to get myself back to full fitness. Uh, Gary was doing brilliantly in the first team. I played one reserve team game and Aussie phoned me and said, do you want to come to Tottenham? Um, oh, wow. So what an opportunity that was. I got uh, I got pulled in the following day, Howard Wilkinson, and he said, I've accepted a bid in from uh, from Tottenham Hotspur. It's, it's, you can go if you if you want. He had said that uh, he, 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 was, he was, he was impressed with my attitude whilst I was injured. Um, he said he, he he would have made me stay and fight for my team. He said, but he, he also knew that uh, I was a London boy. Uh, I was a I, I put in a Leeds program. I was a Tottenham supporter. Um, he said, I, I can't I can't step in. I can't stand your way. But if you want to stay and fight for your place, then please do so. But it was a it, it was a dream come true to me to go go and play for Aussie again, uh, particularly at Tottenham. Yeah, players struggled to replace Gary Kelly at right back for Leeds for about 15 years after that. So I think it was probably the <laughs> sensible decision. But yeah, um, you're frustrated that you can't get into the Leeds side. So you end up joining the club you supported as a child. You know, not too bad. No, it was uh, it when you know once I got that call from uh, Aussie, you know, saying that uh, he's, he's he's got to go ahead to take me. I, that, you know, it, it couldn't come quick enough. Um, it was uh, it, it's something that I'd, I'd always uh, dreamt, dreamt of doing as I said you know when we were watching our dealers and, and Hoddle play for them uh, it, it was uh, it, it was you know, just just far too good to, as much as I also the, the what's the word the uh, competitiveness in me wanted to you know like I, I was at Leeds they were champions uh, they had been champions I'd lost, I'd lost my place, not through my own fault, but it was through injury. I, I, there was a burning desire there to go right now. I'm here, and I want to, I want to get my place back. But because it was Tottenham, you know, this opportunity may not have come round again. So I, I jumped at it. Yeah, and you know, when you arrive at Tottenham, Colin Calderwood's there, of course, now, and Mickey Hazard's just about to follow as well. Well, I hope you got on with those two. Yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> there, there was, uh, Colin was, uh, you know, when Colin was captain when I first went to Swindon, so uh, always had a, a, a had a great relationship with him. Still do. Um, uh, Mickey was, uh, I, 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 I'd roomed with him at, 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 at Swindon as well. So that's uh, 
yeah, we were fine. It would have been an issue otherwise. Now, this this era for me, this is when, you know, I'm, I'm 12, 13, 14, and this Tottenham era is one that's quite prominent in, in my mind because a lot of the kids in Wiltshire supported Tottenham, probably my age, because Gascoigne and Lineker were there in the late 80s, early 90s, and it's just followed on from there. So I've got really vivid memories of Tottenham Hotspur in the, in the early, mid and late 90s through my school years. And... Of course, your first season is Swindon's first season in 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 the Premier League, and you. I remember the white line. I remember Ross McLaren. He he, he nutmeg me, and he he still talks about it to this day. When I uh, when <laughs> every now and then I, I I talk to him, yeah. But it was uh, it, it it's you know it's always you, you still uh, I love you know I can't wait to go back to the county ground now. You know it's uh, always uh, just you know memories come flooding back. Yeah, that Tottenham team had like quite quite a few up and comings. You had Nick Barnby, obviously, Darren Anderton was doing his things, and Sol Campbell at the back as well. And and Tottenham were perennially one of these teams that had the tools but never quite got the results or unless my memory fails me. Yeah, no, obviously they they that was always a uh, you know an entertaining team. Um you know always went out and played the right way and, and wanted to win but uh, and that was always like you know back back then it was considered you know like, like top the top five big clubs. I think they've come back up to that. But uh, it, there's, a, there's a certain certain way that uh, a manager had you know has to play at Tottenham. And uh, Aussie was obviously uh, you know everybody's hero uh, if you supported Tottenham. Um, the, the, the team that he had. I don't think that certainly, uh, you know, as as it progressed, if he was given a little bit more time, he he, he could have got on there. But uh, as everybody knows, you you don't get much, you don't get too much time time in football. But there was some, as you said, people like Sol, Barnby was uh, with with I remember playing playing that Man City. Sol was centre forward at one point. Yeah. Um, he was he was so versatile. But yeah, they've always they've always produced good players. The summer of 94, I remember being particularly exciting because the World Cup had just finished and Tottenham went and signed uh, the two Romanians, Jacob Popescu, Ili Dumitrescu, and of course, Jurgen Klinsmann as well. Such a huge name for all of us. What, what was it like when those players were coming in? Yeah, obviously, uh, Jacob and Ili, uh, we'd seen them in the World Cup, they particularly, I mean, Jacob was like a, the, the Russ McLaren, really. He was, he was a, the, the holder in... Holder in midfield, Illy was uh, he, he had a license to, to go and thrill. But when you know when we heard that we were signing Jurgen, that was that, that, that was that was really special. I remember talking to Colin, was having having lunch with Colin, and he said, he said I can't believe it, because he said, you know, in the next ten days, he said, uh, I'm gonna have Jurgen Jurgen Klinsmann saying, Fridge, give me the ball, give me the ball. <laughs> so it was uh, it was. You know, it, it just got the whole place. The whole place was rocking. I think for his first game we played in Gary Porter's uh, uh, testimonial at Watford, and they had to uh, they had to delay the game by forty five minutes because you know the, there was thousands and thousands of Tottenham fans still trying to get in into the ground. Yeah, and even though he's you know he's just turning thirty at that stage. That was one of the early ones, one of the early signings in the Premier League where it was for everybody, whether you were 12 or you were, you know, 40. It was a wow signing. What was he like behind the scenes? He's, you know, he's just a really cool guy, a uh, really, really good, humble man. Um, 
worked exceptionally hard in training. Uh, I wouldn't say he was, you know, you couldn't say that he was outstanding at any one skill, but he was basically very, very good at everything. Um, he, he, he could just do everything, but it was it was also his, determ- his determination and his will to win. That's what you you, you fed off. He's he, ultra prof- uh, ultra professional. If you know, like we, if you if he went out and the the, the the training balls, if there was dirt on the training balls, he, he'd, he'd cause a commotion with the with a with with a, uh, the the kit man. Say so this this shouldn't happen. Football should be pumped up, clean. Um, you know the, the discs that you, you know you put out, the, the coaches are putting out. If they if they weren't in straight lines, everything about him, he, he, he was a, he was you know, ultra professional, fantastic yeah. to work with. For two years under the tenure of Jerry Francis, you have quite a tough time as far as first team football is concerned. Is that injury, or are you just out of favour at that stage? Uh, I, I, first game I, I, um, in charge, Jerry Jerry's. Uh, his management, he, he picked me uh, again. I, I ruptured ruptured a calf muscle, um, one that had dogged me throughout my, my career. Uh, so I, I, I was out of the team, um, and then the team sort of uh, changed shape. Really, uh, the, the different method of playing, uh, and they went. You know, they, they sort of were picking results up. So I, I couldn't get back in the team the following year. I'd a um, I'd, I'd a knee operation. I only had six months left of my contract. Um, you. Jerry, in all fairness to him, the, the, the club offered me another year, but uh, I, I, I felt it. I, I needed to, uh, you know, sort of move on there. So uh, I, I, I played in one, one, I don't know how many more games for for Jerry. I played in midfield two or three times for him, but uh, sort of I, I decided I, I, I needed to move on. Yeah, and I mean during that time that includes a return to Swindon on loan in the ninety six ninety seven season, which. I mean, this is during the the, the 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 winter, wasn't it? And I mean, was that was that tough? Because it's only three years since you left, but it's quite a bit different, isn't it? Yeah, uh, but it was it, it, again. I'd, I'd sort of, I sort of I knew I'd had good time there, uh, and I thought to myself, well, I need to get myself right. I'd, I'd, I'd had such a, I'd had a bad knee operation, and if I'm quite if I'm quite honest with myself. Uh, I'd, I'd, I'd never recovered from it. I didn't. I, I didn't have the power to do what I wanted to do. Uh, if, if there was any, like sort of, I knew I was I, one of the one of the things that I had. I had a. I'd, I'd, I'd paced them again, and but I, I just couldn't. I didn't have that power to get into like, into to accelerate quick enough. So I never. So from then on, really, even from Tottenham, really, I went to Ipswich, returned back to Swindon. I, I, I was nowhere near. The player that I was, uh, my knee was, my, my knee was still giving me quite a bit of uh, quite a bit of jip. I, I found it hard to uh, really you know, sort of sort of run backwards. So if I if I had to backpedal, I was in a in a lot of pain, and my knee would blow up most of the time after game. So would have end up missing training on the on the Monday, maybe the Tuesday. Couldn't play on the Tuesday night. So I was I was I was never the same player. Yeah, I mean, as you, as you point out there, you come back permanently in '98 for a spell, and then you, you you feature the following season as well. And as you say, you know, you're not you're not the player that you you were before. How does a player get a contract when it's clear that they're not fully fit or they're not going to be, you know, as, as fit as they would want to be? I mean, 
was it was it a calculated risk or did they just need people? Well, I did sort of the, the I, I I could get through ninety minutes. It was just I I, I probably wasn't getting through ninety minutes the, the way <laughs> the way I I would have liked to, or I'm I'm, I'm sure that you know the the the, the supporters, um, but. It, it, I, I had a had a medical my, my knee sort of held up, but I, I knew I knew myself after you know like uh, after after about a dozen games that I had uh, after my knee injury when I, I was at Ipswich, uh, I was thinking to myself like, this I'm not too sure that I'm going to last out with it, but uh, I think the last four four years of my career, I think I only played about thirty odd games. Mm-hmm. I think I, I think it's done thirty two games, yeah. So. How how did you find that that you know injuries aside or fitness aside, um, what was it like playing for Swindon in the late nineties? Obviously, you signed under Steve McMahon. Um, times are hard for Swindon, but we still got some great players at the club. What are your memories of that? Yeah, it was just it, it was it was a shame actually because uh, that the, the, there was there was certainly good good players at the club, but the the the, the Teams that uh, I played with, uh, obviously with, uh, with Jimmy Quinn and, and, and Steve, uh, weren't anywhere near the same level as the, the other the teams that I played with, Ozzy and Glenn. So uh, that, that that was when I look back uh, at, at the time, it was just you know, come, you, it, it was it, it was I've always considered uh, Tottenham, um, Tottenham, Swindon. Um, QPR because it was my first club is you know I, I've always wanted to that, that I only ever wanted the best for it so I felt that I, I, I could always make a difference to them but when it when it came round to it I knew I wasn't you know I, I, I knew I wasn't playing well or no, I wasn't letting myself down I didn't feel I was letting the, the, the supporters down because I was giving it giving it my best shot but inevitably I think when you, you said before when you when you, you speak about maybe Nicky Summerby taking a little bit of the uh, in in your words I think you said the limelight rich or whatever you know that the people didn't appreciate I don't I don't think it was that I think it was probably my second spell is that I, I, I may have been remembered do you, for, reckon, do you reckon that did enough damage then I mean look I'm not I'm not complaining about anything you know look, no. the, the supports see me anyway do you know what I mean I, I, I because they they were great to me, and you know the, the the club will forever be in my heart. But it's probably that that that's probably my one regret is that I, I went back as not as good as player when I when when I first went there. Yeah, they say never go back, don't they? <laughs> Maybe that's that's where yeah. those sort of stereotypes are. But there were still some great moments. I remember, like I remember because you know being from the West Country, you know the kids around you support the rival teams, and I remember one of the great weeks was, and you played in both of these, where we beat uh, we beat Bristol City first, and it was a real, we scored like three goals in the first 10 minutes, and then we held on, had a couple of players sent off, um, and then a week later we beat Oxford 4-1, and it I'd was... like to see them games actually. I would love to see. Is there anywhere I'm getting see getting to see them? Really? Oh, absolutely. There. Uh, I mean, you know, I'll send you the links to all the videos because they're all on. Yeah, there. If you could, so so after Swindon, you you sort of when are you thinking I want to do coaching? Is it when you're still playing, or is it during the very quick sort of end? Because you go to Canvey Island where you're winding down. What, what happens after Swindon? Yeah, I sort of, uh, I, I sort of, I did retire. I went to Cambridge. Uh, I was at Cambridge for a little while. Just to, they wanted to see if I was fit. Um, I was gonna. Put, uh, they told me they was gonna offer me a, a, a two-year deal. Um, 
on the Saturday, the last game before the season started, uh, my Achilles went. Uh, so they pulled that contract for me. I then had a phone call from Canby, Canby Island, and they asked me to go and, go and play. So I spoke to the PFA, and they said, look, you know, with the, the, the injury you've had, it's going to you know, probably take you know, at least a couple of months. Uh, they advised me to retire. So uh, I did that when I started playing for Canvey and I quickly sort of realised that that was a mistake as well. I wasn't enjoying it. Uh, uh, my heart wasn't in it no more. And then I got a phone call from um, from Patsy Holland, who was uh, the youth team coach at uh, Tottenham Hotspur. He said to me, Dave, look, if you're not doing nothing, why don't you come over and just have a, have a look at the, the, the coaching, what we do we do here. So I, I went over there, looked at, I was watching Patsy coach at under 19 level and uh, they, the, 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 I, I took one or two sessions, helped Patsy and they, they looked at it and they said, look, would you like an academy team? Um, and I was, again, I was unsure. I didn't know if I wanted to be a coach, um, but I was, I was, I was doing nothing. I had no plan whatsoever. So I said, yes, uh, went in and they, I, I coached the first year under, under 12s. Um, after that year, they pushed me into uh, straight into the under 16 spot. I stayed there for three years as a, as an under 16 coach, and um, basically that was how it was that Patsy Patsy got me interested in it, um, and uh, I've I've loved it ever since. Amazing! So it was something that you came in almost accidentally, but you know, yes, yeah, I had no uh, sort of burning ambition to be a coach. I think. Um, it was it was purely. I remember my, my first night going in at White Hart Lane. Uh, we had a ball in, indoor ball call, and I, I was introduced used to the under twelves as I was going to be their new uh, their new coach for the season. And uh, an old boy there, Robbie Stepney, who when I was when I was a thirteen year old training at Tottenham Hotspur, he was a coach then. He said to me, Dave, he said, look, I'll take the warm up for you. Uh, he said, and then you can do what you like. And I remember watching Robbie work with these kids and it absolutely put me in blind panic. I thought, how will I ever be as good as Robbie Stepney? I'm looking at his enthusiasm, the way he spoke to the children a month ago. And I, I, I remember I said to you, I wasn't, I wasn't nervous about playing. But when I started that first night coaching, I, I, I'm sure the kids could hear my knees knocking. I thought, you know, I'm, I'm not too sure this is for me, but I, I sort of, Got myself through the first sessions, you know, then through the through that season, and then gradually, you know, the, your, your experience comes. Yeah, I'm, I may not be, I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying I'm the greatest coach now, but I know I'm a, I, I get a whole lot better every year. The experience uh, with coaching and and dealing with players, it, uh, the, the the longer you're in it, the better, the better it is for sure. And do the the courses help as well? Because it's all about, you know, it's recent as twenty years ago, probably less that you really just needed minimal uh, yeah. certificates, and now you really need to go through the courses. Do they help? Are they are they beneficial? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I've I've loved all the all the courses I've been on. I, I used to listen to you know coaches and ex players saying that they didn't agree with them. You're told to do this. You're told to every, every course I've gone on, I've learned from. Um, I've sort of now, well, I'm ten years now. I've had my pro license, so uh, it's it's you you, you you don't stop. You do not stop learning. Uh, I think the best education you get is you look at as many coaches as you possibly can, which uh, which which sort of 
I, I, I think that anybody who, who's serious, I, I don't think you can reinvent the wheel. I think there's not too. You, everybody can have a different philosophy, uh, but when you when you go out and you're coaching, a lot of it is is the same. But you just you can put your own spin on it. You can. Uh, it's, it's, it's still so much of but what now around about 18, 20 years of been coaching. But there's still so much for me. You know, I know I I, I can learn off um, watching other other, other coaches and, and, and managers. Yeah, you, your coaching career is probably just as long, if not longer, than your than your pro playing career now, and it's spanned several clubs. You mentioned Tottenham in in the youth. You've got Northampton Town working with with Colin Calderwoods, then um, working with Malky Mackay at Watford and Cardiff, and then of course you worked with Justin Edinburgh, Ginningham, and Northampton, and now you're with Michael Appleton um, at Lincoln, which was a tough gig to take because of what the previous management had done um, just before you guys. You have seen a lot, haven't you? It's fair to say. And what what are the highlights during this time? Because also, I imagine on the Swindon front, you must have been close to coming back with Colin not when you were at Nottingham Forest. Yeah, um, after when when we first started, so I've done five years at the academy at, uh, at, at Spurs. Uh, I was again really fortunate with that because uh, the the time I was working in the academy. George Graham was manager at Tottenham, who was my uh, my youth team manager at Queens Park Rangers. So I had uh, access, very easy access, if if I wanted to watch the first team train. George would always allow me. Glenn then took over, um, and I had the relationship that I had with Glenn. Obviously, he's he's my player manager uh, at Swindon. Colin Calder was was reserve team manager. So again, I was very very fortunate that I could you know. Uh, uh, any phone call is it okay to come in and watch training so I used to watch Glenn train so at a at a great you know whilst I was uh, the academy at Tottenham I had a, a great education Colin then took the um, Northampton job and asked me to go with him as uh, as first team coach and that, and that was the start of it really we had the, the first two years we were we went playoff playoff and got promotion so that that was you know we, we felt we were successful there we then went to Colin went on to Nottingham Forest. I, I, I went with Colin there. We we got beaten the playoffs that year. The following year, we we went. We got straight promotion. So again, we we, we felt we were sort of relatively successful. Then Colin, you know, we, we we separated from there. Colin went to Newcastle, and I I wasn't doing too much until uh, I got a phone call from uh, Sean Dyche actually, who was uh, Malky's assistant. And um, Sean was uh, our, our captain at Northampton, and he said to me, "Look," he said, uh, "He said Malky's uh, had your name put to him." He said, "I, I, I, I said, you know, look, you should definitely have a chat, chat with you. Would you come in and have a chat?" Which I did, and and then the, the, they, I, I joined Malky and Daichi there as first team coach at Watford. From there, with, uh, Malky went to Cardiff, where we that that first year. We we got to the cup final against Liverpool, which was an unbelievable experience. And going up against uh, Dalglish and the likes of, uh, got got beat on penalties, but we made the uh, playoffs that year as well. The following year, we we run away with it. We run away with the championship by I think we won it by eight points. So the first, certainly the first two, three, four clubs of my coaching career had nothing but success. But then recently, it sort of uh, it hasn't gone as well as I wanted, but I've still worked with some 
you know, fantastic, some fantastic guys. And, you know, I'll, I'll be looking to, uh, looking to sort of get back up at that at level as, as soon as possible. Yeah, sure. So is, is Lincoln a case of helping them out at the moment or are you very much happy there until the next, the next thing comes uh, up? You know, it's a, it's a, it's a fantastic, fantastic club. Uh, I got to know, uh, I've, I've known Michael Upton over a period of years, just on the circuit, really not know, um, not really sort of knowing him personally, but after, you know, after a game, having a, having a, you know, a bottle of beer with him or seeing him out like if you're in you know I've sat next to him a couple of times when I've been scouting I, I went in at uh, West Bromwich Albans as head of, head of coaching and Michael was the under 23 manager there uh, and I've, I only worked with Michael for about 10 days and Michael came in and said that uh, he's leaving and I said well, you know why, where are you going he said, I've, he said I've been offered the Lincoln job I said wow I said you know fantastic I said it's great news I said congratulations I said I said, although it's only been ten days, I said, I've really enjoyed working with you. Uh, I said, and you know, Lincoln, what a what a chance! I said because you know you don't always get a good club because most of the time you're going into a place where the manager hasn't done maybe as well as you liked and, and got the sack, and you, you're going in there with a, a team that have been losing. But with with uh, with Lincoln, they had success over the last two years, albeit the last I think the last ten games. You know, I, I don't think they had won. So Michael Wellings went into there and I got a phone call about three or four days later. It was from uh, West Brom and they said that they've had Michael back on the phone to West Brom and he, he wanted me to go as a, as assistant manager there. Nice. Uh, as much, as much as I was, I was enjoying working at West Brom as head of coaching. It was, it was maybe something I was coming away from the role that I'd been used to. It was going to be a lot more safe role because you know, it's a real precarious job you know, being a manager or a coach you're in and out in and out which I'd found myself the last sort of two three years and I said to my wife head of coaching at West Brom I could probably you know it's probably a job that I could nail down for the next five or six years if I wanted uh, but when my, you know when Michael you know, I spoke to Michael he, he, he sold me the club but also I really missed that what's the word you know on a Saturday Saturday morning waking up that, that adrenaline driving through my body you know that gut wrenching feeling you know, just before three o'clock, that that build up, it, it, it mattered so much to me that uh, that I, I, you know, I, I, I said yes, and I, I've loved loved every minute. That it's a it's an absolute cracking little club. That you know, we, we can most of the time we're getting ten thousand supports through um, a home game. We you know, they've got a good following, uh, good people we work for. So I'm 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 loving what I'm doing at the minute. Yeah, they're doing things right at Lincoln over the last few years, that's for sure. But, you know, we've been talking a while now and I could listen to you for another hour and a half, no problem. But we'll finish on some Swindon stuff because you were, you played for Swindon at a time where there were so many great players, so many characters, you know, people like Eddie Buckley and the late <laughs> Kevin Morris as well. What, what are your overriding memories of your time at Swindon beyond the pitch? Just said it really, you know, people you know, like Kevin and... And Eddie, there was, you know, there was, uh, there's a young, uh, like Tracy, there's a young girl. Uh, well, she's, she's not young, she's married now, but uh, Tracy, she always used to be outside, outside the grand, uh, looking for more aut- autograph. And she's still now, every now, every now, every now, and I, I was, I was with uh, Gillingham, played at Ipswich, she's, and she's, she's come there, she still lives in the Swindon area. Uh, it's just that the, the supporters, the, the people of the club were, which is so so good to me, and I'll be 
be forever grateful. But you know, the the memories. But you know, just talking to you, Rich, today, it's uh, I'll I'll get off the the phone to you and talk to my wife about it and and, and my brothers. It's uh, you know, great memories. Yeah, and I feel that we only scratched the surface, but we'll we'll leave it at that. David, thank you so much. No, no, my my real pleasure, Richard. And thank thank you for the uh, for the call. The Low Strangers is a Swindon Town podcast proudly sponsored by the STFC Official Supporters Club. The music was created by the great Matthew Kilford and the artwork was designed expertly by Matt in Singapore. Thanks for listening. Come on, Swindon! <laughs> the Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them, honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant, like Darren Ward, or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.